morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to the conclusion of our study and our series entitled Easter People. We had begun this a number of weeks ago looking at individuals who had interacted with Jesus uh, before and during and after that process of his life and death upon the cross, burial, and resurrection. We've looked at a number of different individuals, and including on Easter Sunday. Today we wrap it up, and this final, final uh, session, if you would, brings me to a thought. Brings me to thought, back in the day, now I'm not exactly sure what years it were, uh, but on television was a show entitled Mission Impossible. Now they took the television show, they made a number of movies. I think there's been six different movies starring Tom Cruise. I think a seventh one and an eighth one are in the works. They've been uh, filming throughout um, uh, COVID pandemic, and I think maybe in the next couple of years they are coming out. But the premise behind the show, it typically would begin, and there is a phrase. You remember the phrase? Typically towards the beginning of the show, typically towards the beginning of the movie, this agent would be confronted with a task. And the phrase was something like this. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is. And what would follow would typically be what would sound like an impossible mission. It's usually something to do with finding an unfindable, untrackable, untraceable individual who is bent on world destruction, right? It's the classic good guy versus bad guy. Find this person. Find this bomb. Find what they're trying to do. Find what they're stockpiling. Find what their plans are. Stop it. Thwart it. Whatever you've got to do to keep the world safe. And you hear that and you think, how in the world is this person with a, a small team of people supposed to travel around the world, find someone who's unfindable, and stop what seems unstoppable? It seems like an impossible mission. But that's the premise. And so whether it was the show, whether it was the movie, you're on the edge of your seats trying to see whether this impossible mission would be brought to reality. Now, Jesus Christ himself, as he rose from the dead, we saw that he died, he was buried, and he was raised to life again. And he saw his disciples following that resurrection, and he gave them a challenge. In fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four Gospels, as well as the book of Acts, contains some form of a commission, some form of a challenge. We might call it the Great Commission, particularly for Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 would be one of the familiar representations, but in every gospel, there's some form of a call, some form of a challenge, but Matthew's gospel reads like this, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" Now, if you've got the King James Bible, it would read like this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that sound a little bit like an impossible mission? Going into all the world. Let, let, me, let me just see. For those of you who are here in person, how many of you have never left? Anyone who has never left the state of Ohio in your lifetime? 
All right, very good, very good. How many of you have never left the United States in your lifetime? Bunch of hands on that. So just stop right there. He said, go into all the world. For a whole bunch of people in this place who have never been any place other than the United States, how many continents are there? How many nations are there? I know this is not geography and social studies. I'm sorry, you're not in school. No test. But there's, a, there's an awful lot, right? And then out of all the continents and all the countries, think of all the cities. I mean, there's some pretty large worldwide cities. And there's a whole bunch of tiny little villages of nothing. And he said, go into all the world. That's a pretty big job right off the bat. And then he says, preach the gospel to every creature. How many of you know a language other than English? A little bit. Can you imagine trying to connect and communicate and preach the gospel to every creature? Think of how many different languages and dialects are recognized, spoken throughout this entire globe of ours. I mean, stop to think. Doesn't that sound a little impossible? First of all, to go into all the world. And then secondly, once we get there, then to somehow try to preach the gospel to every creature. And so he says to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. You're like, I can do that. I mean, you go to them. You go find them. You go bring them to me and I'll dunk them. That might be the easiest part of the verse, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Find a place of water. Find a, find a baptismal tank. Find a pool. Find a lake. Find, find some portion of water. And we can baptize. But going into the world, preaching the gospel to every creature, he says, baptizing them. And then verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's another all going into all the world, preaching the gospel to all or to every creature, and then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. How challenging might that be? Have you as a parent or a grandparent had all, as in every single one, as in 100% of your instructions followed to the T? You're smiling. Because you're probably thinking it's not happened, right? He's saying, teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. He's given some great instructions, some great truths. So we've got to go everywhere and reach everyone and help them to follow and obey everything. No biggie, right? Your mission should you choose to accept it, seems impossible. It's proclaiming good news. It's helping other people to know and experience what Jesus Christ has done for them. Now, you might say, I'm not a missionary. You know what? We still have a part to play in this great commission, in this great challenge. You might not go outside of the United States, and yet there are still people that you and I can reach for Jesus. So does it seem impossible? Does it seem maybe as if we might be a little bit inadequate? You ever felt inadequate to do something? So you're hearing Jesus give instructions. He says, go everywhere, reach everyone, help them to follow and obey everything. And you're like, 
I can't do that, God. Going across the street and reaching one person and helping them to understand and obey a little bit seems out of my comfort zone. Definitely sounds like an impossible mission, but in today's text, we're going to turn back to the Gospel of John. Jesus takes this mission impossible, and he's going to help you and I to make it into a possible mission. Today's truth is this. We are, in fact, called to a possible mission. In fact, we were just singing about it a little bit earlier. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing's impossible. And some of you might say, well, well, I said nothing's impossible for him. I didn't say anything about me. He's wanting to use you. He's wanting to use me. And so as we take a look back to John chapter 20, we're going to see we're called to a possible mission. We're going to see four ways that he equips us for this possible mission. It sounds big. It sounds daunting. It sounds impossible. But with God and his strength, he's going to equip us. So first of all, in this very possible mission, Jesus provides peace. So back in John chapter 20, chapter 20, verse 19, it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And again, in verse 21, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. This was a rather common Jewish greeting. It, it meant an overall well-being, a blessing on your entire being. But certainly here, it's more than just a greeting. It's more than just, hey, how you doing? What's up? What's going on? How have you been? This is peace be with you. Can you imagine these disciples? They were, again, hiding out in fear of the Jews, here was Jesus who had lived and taught and preached and healed and done miracles, but he was arrested, tried, crucified. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might be scared, worried, fearful that you're next. So they're hiding out there in a room. They're, they're not just hiding out. They've locked the doors. How many of you are door locker people? Kim is awesome at locking the doors. doesn't matter going in and out, going across the street to, to Gary and Sue's, and the girls are in and out. I mean, I mean it, that door, when that door shuts, it's locked. Are you, are you door lock people? How many of you are just door open? Like, sometimes you don't even shut the door, but if the door is shut, it's open. I mean, someone could probably just go to your house any time of the day, any day of the week, and just walk right in. So we got a variety of people in here, but here's the disciples. It's not just that the door was shut. You know, it's not just that you're trying to, you know, kind of maybe keep things a little quieter and shut things in, but they were locked, scared, fearful of the leaders because they had just witnessed it. Imagine this is first day of the week, literally just a few days following the crucifixion. What had they heard? What had they seen? What had they experienced? Jesus Christ dying upon the cross. And so as they are there, fearful that they're next, in a locked room, Jesus 
shows up. Jesus shows up in their midst, and can you imagine how startling that might be? I mean, we're talking on the, on the scary meter. You know, some of you are scary movie people. Not all of you are scary movie people. But this would be probably way past scary movie. I mean, some of you, when you watch a scary movie, you're like, yeah, I know who did it. It's so-and-so. And by the way, they're hiding out in the garage. I mean, nothing, nothing takes you by surprise. But imagine Jesus, whom you've seen die upon the cross, placed in a tomb, He shows up. Can you imagine how scared or fearful or surprised or startled? I mean, for some of you, if I were to come up behind you and go, boo, I think you'd jump out of your your shoes. Some of you have. I've done that accidentally to some of you, which based on that reaction sometimes makes me want to do it on purpose. I have to catch myself. But you, you can imagine, you know, you're, you're lost in thought and someone comes up and taps you on the shoulder. Ugh! You know, you, you about drop everything that you're holding on to. And that's just a tap. Can you imagine seeing somebody who died upon the cross, who was crucified? He shows up. So what he says, and he says it twice, it's not just a casual, hey, how's everybody going? What are you up to? It's peace. <laughs> My peace be with you. He is standing in their mix. There's not a, not a knock at the door. It's not, hey, by the way, uh, Jesus resurrected. Just want you to know I'm here. I mean, for some people that I've, that I've scared unintentionally, I mean, sometimes I'll come up alongside of somebody and, you know, they're sitting in the back row and, and I'm thinking as I'm making my way down the center aisle into the back that they see me. And I come up and tap them or, you know, tap them on the shoulder. Hey, how you doing? And they jump. So sometimes what I tend to do then is I go overboard to let them know I'm coming. I mean, walking down the aisle, I'm like <clears throat> clearing my throat. I'm making noise. I'm, I'm rattling things. You know, I'm, I'm kind of shuffling my feet. I'm, uh, hey, hey, just want you to know. And I do all of that before tapping them on the shoulder. None of that. Jesus shows up, stands in their midst in this resurrection body, and he says, peace be with you. He's about to share part of this incredible challenge. It's it's not the same wording as Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel, but it's this mission that he's got for them. And he wants them to know he's ready to provide them with some peace. Now, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24, verse 37, says that they were frightened and they thought they were seeing a ghost. That would, that would probably be a, a natural thought. We saw Jesus crucified, and now this person who looks just like him is showing up and talking to us. I mean, they don't know what's going on. Now, these disciples, again, we've talked about Peter. Peter failed him and denied him three times. Remember that? All of the disciples, in a sense, failed and fell and ran away and fell away. When Jesus shows up, Jesus is offering peace. Jesus isn't saying, hey, dummies, hey, you idiots, what in the world were you thinking? That was not his approach. 
He showed up and he's saying, peace be with you. Graciously extending peace rather than condemning and rebuking. I believe Jesus would want you and I to know as well. He offers and provides peace for the journey and for the mission he's called us to. Because what he's called us to isn't always going to be easy. Going everywhere to reach everyone, to learn and obey everything, can be a challenge and a struggle, right? But he wants you to know, I am here to provide peace. He provides peace with his presence. Now, in Matthew's gospel, we read about the Great Commission. We, we read Matthew 28, 19, and 20. But the end of that verse, after he says, go everywhere and reach everyone to know everything, he assures them of his presence. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the earth, even to the very end, I'm with you. There is peace for you. You're going to be facing some challenges. You're going to go through some difficulties. It's not going to be easy trying to go everywhere, trying to reach everyone, helping them to know everything and obey everything. But I want you to know I'm with you. And I want you to know that you can rest upon me and receive my peace. As we've said in in a previous week, peace is possible when Jesus is present. And he showed up. He said, peace I give unto you. So in the midst of what seems like a mission impossible, Jesus wants you and I to know that he offers and provides peace. Second, Jesus wants us to know that he helps to answer our questions. See, in verse 20, when he, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, some of you, when you you read Scripture, you just kind of read and go on. When I read this part of Scripture, this phrase kind of popped into my head. Maybe it's popped into yours. Maybe it's never popped into yours. Maybe you've heard of the phrase. Hopefully you have. The phrase, the elephant in the room. You heard about that phrase. It's, it's used oftentimes, and, and the elephant in the room basically refers to an obvious problem or situation that's it's so obvious, but no one wants to talk about it. So in this case, the elephant in the room would be, here's all the disciples, and they had seen Jesus crucified with their own eyes. And now Jesus shows up out of nowhere in front of them. And the elephant in the room, they're all thinking it. They're all wondering it. But nobody wants to say anything is, what happened, Jesus? Are you alive? What about the, the prints, the, the nail prints in your hands and feet? And, and what about that, that spear print in your side? I mean, I want to ask, like, hey, can we see it? Or are you real? It's the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to ask it, but they're probably all thinking it. You've probably had that at times, right? You've, you've met with friends or you've met with family, and maybe it's an outfit, maybe it's a hairdo, maybe it's, a, it's something, and it's like something's just so obvious, it's sticking out, and you want like crazy to ask about it, but you don't because no one else is. It's the elephant in the room. 
So as I'm reading this text, that's kind of what comes to mind. The elephant in the room, all the disciples are wondering what has taking place. They've seen and heard and maybe even smelled some incredible things during that crucifixion. And Jesus shows up. But Jesus answered their questions. It says, when he had said this, when he said, peace be with you, he showed his hands and he showed his side. He didn't stop. He didn't wait. He didn't look to see, well, hey, are they going to ask me something? He took it upon himself to answer their questions. And that next sentence says it all. They were glad when they saw the Lord. We could imply they were glad when the elephant in the room was discussed. He showed proof, his hands, his side. It was him. Uh, we can't quite understand or explain it, but it is most definitely him. He had risen from the dead, and he's showing them. Listen, you and I, in this mission that he's called us to, it's, it's a big ask to go everywhere and reach everyone to respond and obey to everything. You're going to have some doubts. You're going to have some fears. You're going to have some questions. How do I do this? Where do I do this? When do I do this? God, can I do this? Certainly that's, that's, that's for pastor. That's for those missionaries. I mean, I give every month to a missionary to go someplace so I don't have to. That's not necessarily the case. Yes, many missionaries might go someplace we will never get to, but it doesn't mean that we are not to share. So in this mission, it's a big task, a tall task. We've got questions and fears and doubts. Here's the neat thing. Jesus does not judge them for it. He doesn't think less of you because of it. And he doesn't say, well, that's a dumb question. One of our girls' teachers, who will keep this generic and anonymous, has what's called a wall of stupid. I mean, can you imagine multiple classes, multiple students all day, all week, all year, you probably hear some pretty interesting things, right? If you've taught in a Sunday school class or if you've taught in a class, if you've just hung out with people, you've heard some interesting things, right? So if you say something that just seems, you know, many teachers will say there's no stupid questions. But apparently in some cases, there are some stupid statements, your statement might be written or typed out and plastered on the wall of stupid. Now, it's, I think it's for fun. But can you imagine if you're, you're connecting with Jesus and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to say this. I, I'm not sure if I want to ask that. I mean, Jesus reaching everyone, everywhere, to know and obey everything. How? Who? What? Where? Why? I mean, I'm sure we've got lots of questions as we go through this process. We surrender our heart and our life to Jesus, and we're excited about that, but then maybe we don't know that next step. You ever been afraid to ask a question? Maybe you're in class. You don't understand something, but you don't want to raise your hand 
Because you're not quite sure if your question is going to come off the best. So you kind of keep that hand down, and you just try to figure it out. Sometimes you don't. Or maybe you've got a question, and you want to ask a family member, or you want to ask a, you know, a co-worker, a classmate, but you don't. You just don't want to come off as not knowing. So many times we don't ask a question, or we're fearful of what something is going to be like. Understand that Jesus desires to answer our questions. There's no question or fear or doubt that's too big or too small. A big task or a big mission, it's made possible in him. Trust him. Yes, we know he's called us to a great task, going everywhere, reaching everyone to learn and understand and obey everything. It's a big task, but trust him. He's called you and he's called me to be a part of it. On the flip side, a small task or a small mission, it's important for him. You ever been asked to do something kind of small? And you're like, well, why'd they ask me? Why don't they just do it themselves? Well, it, it, it's such a small thing. I mean, why does this need to be done? Sometimes small things we think are not that important. A small task, a small mission, being a part of this, it is important because it's being done for Jesus Christ. It's for that mission. There's going to be major, major components and small components of going everywhere and reaching everyone so that they learn and obey everything. So in this very possible mission, Jesus is letting the disciples know. He's letting you and I know. He's there to provide peace. He's there to answer questions. Thirdly, Jesus presents purpose. Purpose. When you and I have a purpose, a reason, this something that we can stand upon, it helps us move forward. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. That was that second mention. But note the next sentence. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I'm sending you personally. My heavenly Father sent me. Now I'm personally sending you. There's a mission. There's a purpose. I've got something big in store for you. Many times simply having a purpose is helpful. That what you're doing at school has a purpose. What you're doing at work has a purpose. What you're doing as you volunteer has a purpose. It's not just doing the simple, small, little task. It's the purpose behind it. It's the big picture behind it, right? Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. John's gospel emphasizes this theme of Jesus being sent by the Father. In multiple places in the gospel of John, he relays the fact that Jesus was sent to do the Father's will. Multiple places in the Gospel of John, he says, he was sent to speak the Father's words. Multiple places in the Gospel of John, he was sent to perform the Father's works. And in the Gospel of John as well, he was sent to bring salvation to the 
world. He was sent. There was a purpose. There was a reason. God the Father has sent him. And now Jesus says, guess what? I'm sending you. I've got big plans for you. I'm sending you everywhere to reach everyone to obey everything that's contained in my word. John chapter 18, Jesus told Pilate, he said, for this I've been born and for this I've come into the world to testify to the truth. There's a reason, there's a purpose, he said. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. There's a reason, a mission, a purpose behind it. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the foremost of all. So he's sending us the same way he was sent. The purpose that he has now becomes our purpose. Jesus had a great purpose, a great mission. And he says, hey, as I was sent, now I'm sending you. It's a big job. It's a big task. It sounds impossible, but it is a mission that is possible. His purpose, seeking and saving the lost, reaching people, pointing them to the Father. That's our goal, our task, our mission, our purpose. Sharing the good news about Jesus Again, what we shared and communicated last week, Easter Sunday, it's not only an Easter Sunday message. That truth rings true every week of the year, every day of the week. And we share eternal life in Jesus Christ as he died upon the cross for our sins. He died in your place and he died in mine. So it's a possible mission. It seems impossible. But Jesus provides peace, he answers our questions, he presents purpose, and then finally, he equips us with this, Jesus supplies power. You ever felt ill-equipped and just weak for the task at hand? I mean, there's something that you've got to do, you're called upon doing, sometimes it's at work or at school or at home, and you say, I just can't. Jesus is equipping us with power. Verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He's foreshadowing what would come in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit. Trying to, trying to do this task, reaching everyone everywhere to know everything and obey everything about God. There is absolutely zero chance of that happening in our own strength. Now, I'm, I'm looking out in, in this congregation, and I see some incredible people. But no matter how incredible you might be, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength, in your own power, with your own wisdom, your own connections, your own whatever. We need Jesus, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. What is it in Zechariah? He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He's saying, listen, I know I've called you to an incredible mission. It's not impossible. It might be incredible. I'm going to equip you. 
I'm going to supply you with power. And it's not long afterwards, as they linger and as they wait, the day of Pentecost comes, the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes. They are gathered together in one place. They devote themselves to pray and eagerly wait for the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. At a later date, before Jesus ultimately ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, he links the power of the Holy Spirit, which was to come, with the disciples' future witness and mission. Probably remember the scripture, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what does he say? You'll receive power, and it'll, it'll feel like a whole bunch of goosebumps, and it'll be really, really cool, and you'll go back and sit down. That's not what he said in the verse. He said, but you will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and what? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends and parts of the earth. Boy, sure sounds like he's equipping us and empowering us for that impossible mission. It's not just Jerusalem. It's not just Judea. It's not just Samaria. It's to the uttermost ends and parts of the earth. Why? Because he, he's called us everywhere to reach everyone with the good news and the hope found in Jesus Christ. We need that strength. We need that equipping. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. These next few weeks, we're going to spend some time leading up to Pentecost Sunday and talking more about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and in our lives. It's a, it's a powerful mission that he's called us to. Jesus spoke to his disciples, and he said, go everywhere, reach everyone, baptize, make disciples. And you and I have that same mission. It sounds impossible. If you've never left the United States before, it sounds impossible. Many of you know, just a handful of years ago, I was part of our uh, Ohio Ministry Network trip to Tanzania, my first and only main trip outside of the United States. Uh, we went into Canada during our honeymoon. I, I guess you could count that. Officially crossed the border, but not quite the same as flying in an airplane halfway across the world. In my limited flight, I was in parts of a couple different countries, in one particular country for a week or two. That's my limited worldwide global experience. He's saying, go everywhere, reach everyone for Jesus. And I can't do that on my own. Not only does it mean that we have got to work together, it means we can't do it in our own strength, in our own power, in our own capacity. We need the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because people need to know the power of Jesus Christ to cleanse and to save and to forgive from sin. The past life that, that we've lived, the sins that have been in our past, we come to Christ and we repent and we ask him to cleanse and give us a brand new start, and he does. Remember how incredible that felt? 
Lots of other people need to hear about that. Lots of other people need to experience that. And so this incredible mission he's called us to, we can't do on our own strength. So Jesus was equipping his disciples for what he was calling them to do. And Jesus is equipping you and I, his disciples, his followers, for what he's called us. And he says, listen, I'm providing peace. I'll answer your questions and doubts and fears. I'm presenting and giving you a purpose to follow through on. And as you're going and reaching people for me, I'm going to supply you with the needed power. That way, the impossible mission becomes possible. <laughs> 